0: Welcome to Stage, the Streaming Age podcast. On today's episode, we will be traveling to the Middle East in order to explore the work of Saudi-Palestinian artist Dana Abartani and the fascinating landscape of poetic Arabic female voices. Noor Hassan is our guest journalist. Stage is an online platform for new commissions initiated by TBA21, Tizem is art Contemporary, as a response to the COVID-19 crisis. This episode is a collaboration between STAGE and the NTU Center for Contemporary Art Singapore. Remember to check out our platform on www.stage.tba21.org and if you like this episode, which we really hope you do, please subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Don't forget to share it with your friends and if you have a minute to spare, please do leave us a review. Without further ado, this is STAGE.
1: Hey everyone, this is Noor Hassan, the founder of Radical Contemporary, a creative platform based in Cairo, Egypt. I came across a neon sign last year by an Arab artist and poet that said, "Kun li nafsak meaning "Be everything for yourself. Be radically self-reliant." The next sign read, "Sanakun yoman Menurid one day we will fulfill our destiny, and the last read, "Kun fa be, or exist, for you are the universe. The Arabic language is complex. It's riddled and radical. It's fleeting and profound. It is powerful and a dying art. A victim of cultural destruction. Dana Oartani is a Saudi Arabian-Palestinian artist whose works act as a form of cultural revival and explore the tragedies and tribulations of cultural destruction in the Arab world. Her work, Listen to My Words, is an ode to Arab female poets, to the written word, to what is said and not heard, and what is concealed through language and nuance. Previously an installation featuring a repository of recitations of poetry by modern Saudi women, weaved amongst geometric panels called jali screens, which were used to shield women from the male gaze. This work was reimagined for Stage by TVA21, and through this podcast, in collaboration with NTU Center for Contemporary Art Singapore, we hear the voices of young Arab female contemporary poets and what drives them to cultivate and elevate their voice through the written word. I also speak in depth with Salma Rafat an Alexandrian poet, translator and writer who touches on topics of female empowerment, cultural appropriation, sexual harassment and using poetry to move from darkness to light.
2: It's different because not every day that poets got the chance to uh, appear. And uh, this type of art is always hindered, I believe. For good. it's uh, it's amazing.
1: So how did you begin your writing journey?
2: I was a kid at the time and I couldn't see what was coming out of it. I used to write in my diary every single day. And uh, one day, my English teacher pointed out that I have a distinguished way of writing. And I went home that day and I couldn't put my pen down ever since. I kept writing and I, it just developed through the years uh, until I turned 16. And writing thoughts and um, near, um you know, memories of the day it turned into poetry and it just came like that. And how does it
1: feel being um, an Arab female writer? Did you identify as one? Did you notice that you were... A niche until you, you grew older? Wallah, is this something that you don't actually think about?
2: I, I wasn't identified as one most of the years, but it gets challenging because I do refer to myself as an Arab female writer. As much as challenging as it gets, I believe I'm privileged because it's not every day that you find someone who expresses boldly of uh, their feelings, especially females, because they're always surrounded by people who limit the way they express themselves and thoughts and feelings. So I get to explore their emotions and express it in a way they can relate to, at least in my community.
3: And now
1: we'll be hearing from poet Farida El sayed
3: Hello, my name is Farida El sayed I'm 20 years old, a college student who has passion for all forms of art, including writing. Here's the question that I would like to answer, the one that says, who are you writing for? I guess that thought has already consumed um, every single thought in my head. Who am I writing for? And I found the answer uh, when I was writing my book. And the answer is, I write to those who are voiceless. Those who have so much to say but have no courage to say it at all. These are the people who I write for. I write for those who are still discovering themselves and trying to find out their true identity. Who have failed multiple times and have just lost hope or lost the spark that keeps them going. Some of my writings have affected people around me. So I thought maybe I can make a difference and maybe someone out there on the verge of ending everything uh, would read some of my writings or just uh, a line of it and will decide that this is not the end and, and I can make it or I still have so much to accomplish. So these are the people who I write for. And there's a poem that I love so much I've taken in school actually in one of the Arabic literature classes هو من العصر العباسي uh, هو uh, العباس بن الاحنف وعنوان ازين نساء العالمين اجيبي and my favorite line is so this line has a very special place in my heart actually, and it's like the one that Rupi Kaur has has written in her book, which which says, I envy the winds who still witness you. And thank you so much for your time.
1: And now back to our conversation with Salma Rafat. How do you explore their emotions and how do you tackle topics that have limitations?
2: Usually it's um, topics that are circulating in social media or it could be uh, conversations with people around me, my friends, my family. It gets like that. I get to explore their emotions through the stories they tell, through their feelings. Uh, sometimes I get exp- inspired to write something because of a word a woman said next to me, I and mean, she didn't intend to say it, but it it it, it rang about. It, you know, it resembled something. So I just there must be a meaning behind it. Who is your audience? My writings have an air of melancholy. I don't know why. It just flows when I'm sad. So I believe they are hopeless romantics. My age could be a little older, a bit younger. Mostly females. And how old are you? I'm 19. So when did you start your poetry collective?
1: And why did you feel the need that you wanted to start a collective? Why not just write on your
2: own? I believe that bringing people together uh, who share the same interest and um, talent uh, could help a person, each individual, develop differently, evolve in a different way, because it's good to have people who uh, would, would like to listen and actually give your work a chance. Uh, as I told you before, uh, poetry is hindered. And it's not always that, it's not every day that people are interested to to listen to poetry or read poetry. So having a group of people who are writers you know we encourage each other we support each other we provide that emotional support that yes i want to know how did you feel when you wrote that there's always sessions that we um talk about what what's the story behind that poem why did you use that word what happened to you what's wrong you know it's very fruitful and fruitful to the soul you know It was when um, I attended a poetry night last year and I thought, why doesn't that happen every now and then in Alexandria? It happens in Cairo, but it doesn't happen here. And I thought, why not that we create a poetry club and start having an annual poetry night and between every year There could be ongoing sessions, there could be ongoing outings, could uh, a poetry night on a smaller scale, you know, just to motivate each other and listen to each other.
1: And now we'll be hearing from poet Heidi Zakaria.
4: Hi, my name is Heidi Zakaria. I'm an Arab poet and the founder of The Word Project, which is Egypt's first slam poetry community. We started in 2014, and we've been going strong with building an Egyptian community of poets for the past six years now. Our main focus is slam poetry, and slam poetry is basically performance poetry, and it kind of entails more than just writing a poem down. It has to do with mannerisms, language, language voice, um, just body language in general, and building off of the immediate reaction that you get from the audience. It started off being just a place for people to come in and perform their poetry, but it kind of graduated to being a community where people can feel safe to talk about their issues, mental health issues, societal issues, things that they're going through in their lives. And the idea of the word project as a collective Became something that was a catharsis to a lot of people uh, when they came in to speak their minds at the at the slam poetry nights. This is something that I didn't even consider would happen. It was something that I was doing because I love slam poetry and I wanted to be a slam poet. So the my issue here was just to create a slam poetry community so that I can perform. But it kind of became home to a lot of people including myself and um, and it became home to a lot of ideas as well where women poet uh, female poets came in and they would speak myself included about a lot of the issues that we'd be going through in our day-to-day lives this gave a voice to a lot of young uh, female poets and i think it's important to give voice to poets female poets and females in general because we know how to tackle a lot, of, a lot of things, and I know that when we have a voice and we notice a lot of things, we will be able to kind of fix the problems that we have from the core. Poetry also allows for the pushing of cultural thoughts. it, I'm going to read a snippet of a poem by one of our poets, Farida Gohar, who kind of focuses on imagery in a beautiful way. And allows the audience to be immersed in the image with her. My eyes are definitely uneven. I don't know whether it's because one is extra sensitive to the laws of gravity or because it saw the face it's attached to and wanted to run free. I don't know how to do this yet. Do I want it to be painful or less painful? Which one would make for a better headline, I wonder.
1: And now back to our conversation with Salma Raafat. How did you go about establishing uh, the collective? What is it called and where is it based?
2: Uh, through the years, I started meeting fellow poets and writers, and we were all scattered. Yani we, we didn't know each other. I just knew one by one, but they didn't know each other. So I thought, why not bring them together? I talked to each one of them. They were all so interested. The, the name of uh, the Poetry Club is called Poetry Comes to Light. And I gave it that name because it was literally poetry coming to light where everyone, every single poet brought her friends and her friends brought her other friends. So they literally gave poetry a chance to um, be heard. And it's based in Alexandria. Who do you write for? Okay, writing can be subjective most of the time. I could be writing about myself for myself. At the same time, I'm writing because I don't want someone who's going through the same thing to feel alone. Like, no, I'm going through through this too. So as subjective as it can be, I'm also writing for uh, females around me, for women around me, for any other girl who gets to read this and feel like, yes, I feel that too. I'm not alone.
1: How do you express yourself best? Because I know that you do some voiceover poetry. You do some performance poetry. What's the difference between one and the other? And how do you go about expressing yourself
2: in each medium? And what's, what medium are you most comfortable in? I love this question. Um, most of the time... I love it when I'm performing a poem. The difference between voiceover and performing on stage and in front of people that the element of your tone in voiceover plays the bigger role. However, on stage you get to Yanni, you get to eye contact the audience. You get to do some gestures that express how it feels saying that line. You get to frown. You get to tear up. It's it's more intense. You get to you know. Just do it with love, do it with every ounce of your energy. You just, um, I really don't know how to explain this, but standing on stage feels a lot more closer to the people listening to you. Uh, Voiceovers play a great role on a sense of listening to how the words are said and such, and it's more powerful than just reading a poem, but I love performing on stage.
1: Tell me a bit more about the stage experience. What makes
2: it so powerful? And do you ever share the stage? Performing on stage uh, started at school. And it makes it more powerful that I get to see how uh, my words are reflected on people in front of me. There is a sort of an engagement. I'm not just doing something on my own. No one is paying attention. No, I, I have their heart and soul with me. I take their, uh, you know, their state to my state slowly. And after uh, having started uh, performing on my school stage, I went on talent shows. I went on uh, TEDx. I went on every single stage that I could enroll. Every single event that I could enroll in to make sure that people listen to what I write in, in different ways. That my words have reached them not just you know you know you could read a line in a monotone and it just it it doesn't mean anything but when they hear that line with the crack in your voice with that tear in your eyes with that body intense body language they feel it differently they feel the vibe they they understand you you know until that poetry night that I told you about that was the the last uh, stage I've been on
5: And now we'll be hearing from poet Yasmin Galil. Being an Arab female poet is not just something the world wants, but it's something they need. Because women voices often go unrecognized and unheard, and through poetry, this can change, especially in the era we live in now, where our voices are louder, stronger, and definitely, definitely harder to accept in the Middle Eastern society. I personally write for myself because it's a form of healing, and I share it with everyone so that when my words fall into their ears, it'll tranquilize those racing thoughts going through their fast-paced head. Because words, words are magic. I believe we're all somehow connected and by words we live and breathe that connection that makes us feel that we're not in fact alone. Imagine you sitting there, exploding with emotions and suddenly listen to someone explaining everything you're passing through. That is exactly why words are magic. Now if you ask me if poetry can make us move forward, I'll tell you it has the ability to move mountains. You see, a human does not change unless their motive has changed, and what controls motives more than emotions, and what moves emotions better than words? My favorite poet is Rafif Zieda, who's a Palestinian poet, and a part of her Shades of Anger poem is اسمحوا لي أن أتحدث بلساني العربي قبل أن يحتلوا لغتي أيضاً allow me to speak my arab tongue before they occupy my language as well allow me to speak my mother tongue before they colonize her memory as well i am an arab woman of color and we come in all shades of anger all my grandfather ever wanted was to wake up at dawn and watch my grandmother kneel and pray in a village hidden between yafa and haifa my mother was born under an olive tree on a soil they say is no longer mine and i will cross their barriers their checkpoints their damn apartheid walls and return to my home land. I am an Arab woman of color and we come in all shades of anger.
1: And now back to our conversation with Salma Ra'fat. Tell me about that night.
2: It was magical. I, I love it. I love it with all my heart because it's been my dream you know, when, when you, you just can't tell, but imagine yourself doing a certain thing. I want everyone to, to give poetry a, a chance and feel its magic. So that night was magical. It all started smoothly. And I felt like I know the audience one by one. I loved all sorts of poetry uh, that I heard that night. I had the most talented people in my crew they expressed themselves each each girl expressed herself in the, in, the, in the most unique way and um by the end of the night i couldn't help but was that real did that actually happen they performed that well the night was unreal i love it
1: were you all performing in english and arabic bilingual or were there no restrictions
2: There were no restrictions. Each girl got to express herself the way she wanted. I had a girl who uh, read an Arabic poem because she loves writing Arabic poetry. And most of them performed in English. Because that's how, that's what they write. I mean, it's, it wasn't a sort of rule or a restriction. That's what they chose. Also, the time limit. I didn't restrict them with a, a very uh, small, I mean, very short uh, time limit to give them the the chance to express themselves uh, in a liberal way, not to feel anxious and so. But there were certain topics that we couldn't, you know, talk about, like religion and, and such, just not to, you know,
1: I mean, it was, it was an all-female, it is an all-female collective, right? So let's get into this a little, like what topics you cannot share. Is it religion? Is it sex? Is it politics? It
2: was mostly religion and politics. We tackle topics like love, uh, heartbreak, evolving, letting go, sexual harassment. Um, that was a very powerful poem that a girl called Maya performed it was very uh, intense uh, to talk about such a topic because it's triggering you know but we still had to perform it because because it was really hard uh, going through uh, a lot this uh, this summer it was a very important topic to uh, to tackle and yeah.
1: tell me more about sexual harassment because you're right this summer for Egypt, there was a Me Too movement. Um, mm-hmm. the, and there was a Me Too movement for, for Arab girls, you know? How did you <sighs> ask, how did you speak on it? And and how important was it to, to address?
2: We uh, tackled it from the moment we were a young girl, literally every young girl went through sexual harassment when she didn't have a hand in it. How could, the, like the, how could she be so seductive in the body of a 12-year-old, you know? And um, how it developed that it's the girl who gets blamed. It's the girl who, who's always um, mistaken. What, why did you walk in that street at that time? Why did you wear that? How did you look? What, what kind of makeup? Why did you get in that car? Why did you go with him? It was all too much for a girl to, uh, to take. And um, this summer, it was the very first time that we start speaking up and exposing rapists and harassers because one important thing that changed it all, that we started learning what sexual harassment means.
6: And now we'll be hearing from poet Mai Mustafa. Hi, my name is May Mustafa and I am a poet. I believe in the power of words because they change our lives. Since the beginning of time, words have had a strong impact on us as humans. They have created meaning for us and they have shaped our entire worlds. And that's exactly why female poets and female writers need to be heard across the MENA region. If we are reflecting on the campaign that happened a few months ago and that it's still ongoing, that women have created for women, uh, then we know very well that the power of speaking up is crucial and it can have a really strong impact on our world. Right now I'm about to read a poem by Ahlam Mustaghunami, an Algerian poet. Her poem is called "Aid Said Ayatuhal Ard, and I will read it in Arabic. اليوم, أول نوفمبر تلاتة وسبعين هذا الصباح خمسة عشر ثائرًا سقطوا في مدينة عربية رمياً بالرصاص أفتحي مكابرك أياتها الأيدة أرض الطيبة أيّتها الأرض المغمورة، أيّتها الأرض المباركة، أيّتها الأرض الملعونة. افتحي، فغدا ليلة القدر، سأدفنهم في كل مدنك الكبرى، في كل مقابرك الكبرى، في اليمن، في عمان، في الخرطوم، في تونس، في الكناطرة. الحرب مستمرة في الجولان، نحن نموت من أجلك هنا وهناك. لماذا يقتلون الثوار؟ ألا أننا عندما نعلم نحبك بعنف، وعندما نجوع، نأكل الزعماء؟ ارحميني أيتها الأرض أيتها السماء لماذا تلاحقني عيونهم وحدي؟ لماذا وحدي لا أنام هذه الليلة؟ افتحوا الأبواب ساحة الأعدام لتحضر الأمهات وتجمع رؤوس أولادها ولا يحضر الأطفال اللي يغمضوا عيون أبائهم بعد ثلاثة أيام فقط سيكون عيد الفطر عيد سعيد أيتها الأرض العربية Thank you
2: And now
1: back to our conversation with Salma Raafat. No, but honestly, it, it was emotional for you, right?
2: Definitely. And every other girl, because literally realizing that you've been through this is a lot worse than actually knowing, it. you know, like when you realize I, I've yeah. been sexually harassed, you know, it, it's more heartbreaking than knowing it from the start, you know? I agree. And can I ask you something a little personally? Yeah, Sure. So you
1: are veiled, correct? Yes. So how does that tie
2: into how you express yourself as a poet, if at all? It doesn't stop me the slightest. My veil is something that expresses my identity. And what's so wrong in that? I can express myself the way I want. If if it's because people uh, expect me to express myself in a certain manner, it's not my problem, you know. I get to express myself the way I uh, I like, the way that suits me. There's nothing wrong with that. What What's wrong with my veil? I write. I post what I write. I perform on stage, and it goes perfectly. Nothing's wrong with that. On On, on the contrary, it it gives me more power that this is me and. This is how I look and this is how I dress. And it's a way of expressing myself. I love expressing myself. So it's a way of expressing myself. I'm a Muslim. I'm Salma. I'm a poet. I've been through this. This happened to me. It's not a problem. Thank
1: you for answering that.
7: And now we'll be hearing from poet Noor Kemel. Hello, my name is Noor Kemel. I'm an Egyptian writer, editor, and poet based in Egypt. The first question I'm going to answer is, what does it mean to you to be a contemporary Arab female poet? Uh, It means a lot to me. I tend to write from the intersections of my identity. I try not to censor any parts of that identity, whether it be uh, Arab, Egyptian, Arabic, uh, identifying as a woman or any other parts of myself that are crucial to who I am and I think now more than ever in, in a contemporary sense we need more poets who are brave in in writing about themselves so for me it means being brave it means wanting to be heard and wanting our voices to be heard and having our lived experiences and their complexities heard and documented and, you know, hopefully listened to. The second question I'm going to answer is who do I write for? I write originally, I wrote originally for myself because I felt like there was a very limited pool of knowledge and literary texts that I accessed when I was younger that were coming from my lived experiences. And so it started off as me writing for myself in order to to feel that validation in a literary sense and then experiencing that more so when I came across more contemporary Arab female poets uh, and it's just a phenomenal feeling to see yourself reflected in in identities that match your own in other poets who have lived experiences that match yours. If I've understood this next part correctly I'm going to introduce a poem and poet and recite a line from a favored female Arab poet. The Poem I've chosen is The Morning After My Death from uh, The Spring Flower's Own by Adel Adnan. And I picked this section because it is very rich in imagery. Uh, It's the fourth section of this poem, and it is. The moon darkened on Christmas Eve. Angels ate lemons in illuminated churches. There was a blue rug planted with stars above our heads. Lemonade and war news competed for our attention our breath was warmer than the hills
1: and now back to our conversation with Salma
2: Raafat tell us a little bit more about your your writing style it's a free style the most free style you could ever see I any mean, uh, poetry can be um uh, divided into uh categories and um each category has its own uh, sonnet and sonnet forms and such But that's classical poetry mainly. Uh, I like freestyle, like it doesn't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to uh, have certain stanzas or a number of lines in each stanza. I believe this way is a lot more liberal, you know. It doesn't restrict me. I don't have to spend a lot of time thinking of how it looks rather than think of the depth of the content, you know
1: the freedom of writing the way you need to in the moment.
2: Yes, it helps to express better and write and you focus on the content more than how it looks. Exactly. So what's
1: next for Salma as an Arab female poet? What do you wish to achieve? And tell me a little bit more about the landscape itself. Like, do you, do you want to collaborate with women in other countries? Branch out your collective from Alexandria.
2: Yeah, actually the answer to this question was never ready to me and uh, it was always kept a secret until it's done because I don't know if it can happen or not. I like to uh keep it uh you know uh, a secret until it's uh, until it shines on it, on its own, but I really want to um Publish my own book. I want to um, evolve. Poetry comes to light. I want to make it bigger. Yes, I do want to collaborate with more poets and writers. I still want to explore myself. I want to explore new writing styles and writing topics and content. The there is a very long way ahead of me, and I just want to take it step by step. That's uh, that's all, Yani. I there is not a massive thing coming on the way yet. Amazing. And
1: another thing I wanted to ask is, what's your research process? This is not a question that I added in the list, but a big part of um, the work that we're doing here is looking at the history of Arab female poetry. So do you have a favorite poem and what are some of the poets that have inspired you, Arab or not, female or not? Lupi
2: Kaur, if you know her. She's been my inspiration for so long, because the way she tackles certain topics is different, and the way she writes is very uh, simple and easy to understand, easy to relate to, and that's exactly what I want to be like. Not not to be Rupi Kaur, but to be Selma who can write in a way that every woman around me can relate to and uh, understand. There are so many poems that I love, but they are very old. Like there's uh, that poem called uh, The Road Not Taken. I don't remember the poet, unfortunately, and uh, it's about two roads. Uh, one of them is very crowded with people and the other road is empty. No one thought of going there because everyone is going the other way. And the poet just explores that other lane. And at the end of the lane, he found that this lane is a lot more better than the other other one. That's where he found himself. That's where uh, he realized that not everything everyone goes after means that it's the best, you know. I really love that poem. I think you should read it. (laughs) And there's that other poem called uh, A Phantom of Delight. Uh, that poem is um, about uh, the poet's wife you could interpret it as the his wife uh, could have died and he's writing something to her spirit or uh, she's uh, still alive but through the poem she disappears uh, from a human to uh, and she fades she's not as as close as she used to but He compares her to a phantom of delight, a spirit, something that's glowy, you know, and he loves her so much. I love that poem too. So I want to ask you
1: to read me one of your poems.
2: Okay. This poem is called uh, Through the Dark. It's about a girl who saw a caterpillar as it turned into a butterfly on her window. And in a way or another, that girl is just watching herself evolve and uh, become the person she wanted to be, letting go of her past and darkness, comparing her dark uh, times and tough days uh, to a tiny hole to um, uh, just show how it was suffocating and hard to get through it, but eventually she made it through. And that's how it goes. I don't know the date when a caterpillar turned into a butterfly. On my window, I watched her flicker, and with her color, she stole my heart. She was light and free and away from home, I watched her flee. And my body followed her into a hole. Though so little, still it fitted me enough to wiggle through. Her wings echoed as they ruffled and as I shuffled, light at the end of the tunnel I saw. Wiggle, wiggle through the narrow out the suffocating room. Fight, fight all the battles, that's your breakthrough. She kept singing and I kept following, but away she flew. And I made it into the light, into the vast side, and I kept singing. Darkness, darkness, where you at? I made it out from the past, and you shall not bend my back, and I shall breathe, live laugh thank you beautiful
1: (laughs) I really liked it because is there anything else you want to tell me about it in
2: terms of your journey in poetry and as an Arab female poet I just want to say that poetry is where I found myself as a young girl I was super lost I didn't know where my direction is getting me to I didn't know where to which path to take I wasn't an excellent student so when that teacher told me that I have a distinguished way of writing, it's like I found a treasure in front of my eyes. I held it with my own hands and I couldn't just let it go. So it's just that it's where I want to grow. Poetry is where I want to grow. My uh, my college, I, I, I study literature, by the way, and um, I uh, chose the translation department not department not because i want to be a translator as much as i want to learn more about literature drama and novel because if i got to a certain level i'm still young you know i'm only 19 so if i got if I, as i grow i got to a certain level where i can easily express what other women feel that would be it that would be what when i reached my my goal of course my goals are uh, renewable every time I reach something like when I, I did that poetry night I thought that's it that's what I wanted to do I mean ever since I was young I wanted poetry to come to light and that's it so but then no I couldn't settle down you know so that's all yeah I think we uh, tackled the very uh, good part of what I wanted to share and I'm so thankful that you had me today
1: This episode accompanies the reimagined work of Dana Awartani entitled Listen to My Words, which for the purpose of stage will be readapted as a progressional geometric animation. The serene animation accompanies radical words that explore deep-rooted issues embedded in the cultural fabric of the Middle East. This is Noor Hassan. Thank you for listening.
0: Today's artist was Dana Awartani. The interviews were conducted by Nur Hassan. The editor-in-chief of Stage is Francesca Tizen-Burlemisa. Carlos Surroz is the director of Tizen-Burlemisa Art Contemporary. Soledad Gutiérrez is our content curator. Our producers are Soledad and myself, Igor Ramírez. Nina Esperanda and Jindra Vejodova are our project managers. Elena Otrilla is her production assistant. This episode was edited by Ana Esteve. And our theme music is by Carl Michael von Hauswolf. Thank you for listening.
2: A massive disruption